I'm Michelle Broadbent and welcome to your Business Boost podcast. Join me as I take you behind the scenes to show you what it's really like to build a successful business. I'll be sharing practical tools, advice, and insights that will change the way you work. So if you're ready to boost your business and your life, let's get started with today's episode. Hello, and welcome to today's episode. Now, if I say the words to you, infobesity, digital dementia, nomophobia, techno tantrums. They all sound a little bit terrifying, don't Sadly, these are actual conditions that are now the reality of us all living in an always-on digitally distracted world. Today, I am bringing you a very special guest. It is her second appearance on the podcast, but I am really excited to be welcoming Dr. Christy Goodwin, a digital well-being and neuroproductivity speaker and author and researcher. Christy's work is very heavily focused on promoting well-being and bolstering productivity in a digital world. And the reason I've brought her back on to the podcast today is because she has a brand new book out this week titled Dear Digital, We Need to Talk. And I wanted to have a chat with her about the contents of the book and all of her work actually, because she has so many brilliant insights, tips, strategies for us to use so that we can use technology in ways that is aligned to our neurobiology, which is essentially the way our brains and bodies are designed to work. Um, She has done all of the deep, deep research for us and is bringing us her brilliance. And you'll hear in our chat today, she's not one for digital amputation or cancelling our Netflix subscriptions or never going on social media ever again. Instead, what Christy does is she gives like practical strategies to eradicate unhelpful digital habits and replace them with new ones. Habits that are going to improve not only our performance and our productivity, but more importantly, our relationships, our physical well-being, our mental well-being. So if you're feeling like you suffer, like so many of us do from toxic tech habits, if you're finding it hard to focus, if you're wondering where all your time goes every single day, you are in the right place. Help is here. Christy is going to be sharing tons of really valuable tips and easily implementable micro habits with you today. Now, I have five copies of Christy's book to give away to the first five people who share or review this podcast. We just need you to send me a screenshot of your review or tag me across your social media, whatever platform you are sharing it on. I'm at Mish Broadbent, that's M-I-C-H. B-R-O-A-D-B-E-N-T on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. You can share it on your um, weekly email. Just send a copy of it 
to me, um, but this is for the first five people only. So be quick. But what we are wanting to do is have as many people as possible know this really important information that Christy is sharing today. And I know that by the end of the episode, you're going to want everyone in your life on board as well. So let's get on with my conversation with Dr. Christy Goodwin. Christy, huge congratulations on your book. I know that this one has been percolating for a while and then you ended up writing it fairly quickly with a very tight deadline (laughs) at the end of last year. So can you share with us how this book came to be? Oh, well, thank you, Michelle. And yes, it has been seven years of processing and percolating. And then I wrote the book in three and a half months. (laughs) A long um, gestation. Well, it was a very long gestation, um, but it was the right time. So the reason I started writing the book, and as you said, almost seven years ago, mm. was that there was an awful um, situation that happened to me, um, a, a personal situation. I had been invited to deliver a keynote for Apple in Singapore, and I at the time had two children. So I left them at home with my husband and mum and mother-in-law. And when I arrived home um, at Sydney Airport, I had that horrible feeling as everyone does at the baggage carousel when they turn on their phone and he ping, ping, ping. And I saw that I had a plethora of emails that had landed in my inbox on the flight back from Singapore. I thought I'll triage those in the taxi ride home, fell asleep in the taxi. And so when I got home, I opened my email and saw that that number had literally doubled in the couple of hours since landing at the airport. Now, my son, Billy, um, who was about 15 months at the time, it's the first time we'd been separated for two nights. So he needed some extra mummy cuddles that day. Now, I had ambitiously scheduled a work call during his expected nap time. So I opened the lid on my laptop to send one email to cancel the work call. Because I saw the avalanche of emails that landed in my inbox, I went off and tried to triage them. And I got so digitally distracted that I wasn't watching Billy. Billy climbed onto the top of the lounge where I was near where I was working and he fell face first off the lounge and split his lip. Um, requiring urgent hospitalisation. And this was a moment in time. As someone who researches and talks about digital distraction, you would have thought I knew better. But none of us are immune to the digital pull. Um, So this really was the catalyst for me to say, you know, for years as adults, we've pointed the finger at kids and teens and said they're addicted, they can't put it down. To be perfectly honest, as adults, we're struggling with this just as much, but we justify it under the guise of I'm working or I need to respond to the message. And so it really was the catalyst for me to say, look, as adults, we are not being good digital role models. We are struggling with distraction and how technology is impacting on our well-being. So that moment in time, I thought I'm going to start researching why is it that adults that have got fully formed brains, why are we tethered to technology? You know, why do some of us engage in toilet tweeting? You know, research tells us that a significant proportion of us use our phones in the bathroom. People are using their phones from the womb to the tomb, literally in birthing suites and at funerals. Mm. So I, I just became fascinated. Yeah. People say maybe obsessed, yep. but what is it about the online world um, that draws us in into that digital vortex and what's the impact? There's a lot of speculation that we can't pay attention, um, that we are, are having a huge impact on our mental health and physical health. And as a researcher, I sort of wanted to debunk the myths and arm people with really practical solutions because I think a lot of the time we get told, go on a digital detox. Yes. Um, 
cancel your Netflix subscription, aim for inbox zero, and they're completely outdated, um, you know, impractical solutions. So people really want practical ways to use technology. And so that's really why I wrote the book, but from my own awful experience. I will say Billy had done, I just want to ease my mother's guilt. um, He'd done the exact same thing two weeks prior, falling off the lounge. And um, when my husband was dutifully supervising him. So I'm just going to suggest that the incident that I had um, that did require hospitalization was just a reopening of an existing of an existing <laughs> wound. But thank you for sharing that because I think that, you know, it illustrates that, you know, like none of us, none yeah. of us are perfect. None of us are immune to that pull, that, you know, that invisible, it's like an umbilical cord, like, you know, you're talking about yeah. the womb to the tune, but we are so attached to our technology and that like oh what did I miss and what's in those emails that you know I mean you said you were in Singapore for two days and yet you had this avalanche of emails and I'm sure given the timing that this this interview is is happening with uh, just after the holiday period I'm sure there are so many people who are in the same um in the same situation in that you know they've taken time off work and they've come back to so many like yeah emails and all the other distractions that come to us digitally and I kind of liken where we are now, I mean, it's a disgusting analogy, but the frog in the boiling water where they don't even realise that 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 they are being boiled alive because they've just got, they just get so used to the temperature. And I think we are just so used to things being the way that they are, that we're barely conscious of the damage that it's causing. And what I love about your work, Christy, so much is that it's, you don't, say that we have to abstain we don't have to like amputate digitally or do the digital detox but instead your focus is on building those healthy habits um, that work with our brains and our bodies and the way we've been designed so where do we start like where can we start Christy in terms of these habits to to survive in this world that we are that is you know, we are living this way now and, and, and it's not, things aren't changing. I think you're spot on. I think the digital intruders in our life have crept up on us and we are almost in this like tsunami of screens and we use them both professionally and personally. So I think you're right. Um, There's no guidebook. We didn't sort of plan this out as to how we were going to integrate it. I think the pandemic certainly accelerated our digital reliance and, in fact, created some unhealthy digital habits. Um, Research tells us that during the pandemic, the average adult was spending 13.28 hours a day on digital devices. Many people have continued that trend. Um, The harsh reality is... As humans, we have a a biological blueprint. We're actually not complicated. And the way we're using technology, both professionally and personally, is having a huge impact on our biology um, and our psychology. And I think two things are happening at the same time. The first thing that's happened is that technology has introduced a whole lot of little micro stresses. Now, on their own, these seem quite benign. They're quite harmless. But things like alerts and notifications, video calls, um, messages, vibrations, um, multitasking, all of these little micro stresses accumulate in our day. Now, as humans, we are designed for stress, but we are designed for short bursts of stress 
and we are designed to complete the stress cycle. Mm-hmm. But in our always-on, digitally demanding world where we are constantly being, you know, there's a barrage of digital demands, we yeah. very rarely close the cycle and right. we are constantly in this elevated stress state. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. These little micro-stresses are creeping in. The second thing that's happened, I think, is that our tech habits have eroded some of the most basic biological buffers that we have as humans. Mm-hmm. For example, technology is having a huge impact on our sleep, both sleep. the quality and quantity of our sleep. And we all know when we don't get enough sleep, we can't focus and we are irritable. Um, we're awful to be around. So huge impact on our psychological health. Um, we know uh, we're also not moving anywhere near as much as what we used to. We're spending hours a day being sedentary. Now, a really scary statistic is that even if you meet the the suggested guidelines for physical activity, which varying in countries is usually between 150 and 180 minutes of what we call zone two cardio. So any sort of physical activity that makes you breathless and hard to have a conversation, even if you meet those guidelines, if you are sedentary for more than five hours a day, which is many of us, you annihilate those benefits. Those benefits become null and void. So all the people doing their F45 workouts and their gym workouts or the walk before work, if you're sedentary for long protracted periods of time, you can um, annihilate those benefits. Um, Something as simple as not getting sunlight. We we know um, we know we need sunlight early in the morning to reset our circadian rhythms. Um, we know that that sunlight can offset myopia, which is nearsightedness, and we've seen a huge increase in that. Um, even the way we breathe, believe it or not, is being changed by technology. There is a condition, I don't know if you have this, Michelle, I certainly do at times, um, called email apnea. Yeah. We go into our inboxes, we hold our breath, we dump a whole lot of cortisol. Those people coming back to work, you might be contemplating declaring email bankruptcy because of the volume of emails. Yep. So when we, um, and we also know when we're on a screen, we sigh in different ways. So we normally sigh every five minutes. We're unaware that we're doing it. Now, I'm not talking about the melodramatic teenage sigh that's yes. very overt, but, you know, <laughs> the eye roll, yeah. the eye roll and the exasperated yeah. huff out. Mm-hmm. As humans, we we sigh every five minutes. It's our body's way of regulating our oxygen and carbon dioxide levels. Mm-hmm. And it's our way of bringing us back to a, a stress baseline. But mm-hmm. when we're on our screens, research tells us that our sigh rate falls off the cliff. What, what does this tell us? We're holding our breath. We're breathing in a really shallow way. We're elevating our stress. So it's these two factors, you know, these little micro stresses that have, as you said, just crept up. You know, we got our phones and we didn't know we should probably turn off notifications or that we shouldn't be multi-screening all the time. Mm. And the second thing is that those basic biological buffers have been shaped by our digital habits. Wow. That's fascinating. The, the, The holding the breath with the emails, I remember you telling me about that ages ago, and I am always so conscious of it. But even as we're here on Zoom now, like I am just mindful of yeah that breath holding, but um and the yeah that the the movement thing I think is a real is a real issue. Even though you can kind of flip that and go, well, technology has enabled us to like yep. listen to our favorite songs while we're exercising, yep. or listen to podcasts and that kind of thing. So there is like the upside. But there is there is that that downside as well that 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 comes from that. Yeah, with the movement too. The good news yeah. is that um, 
three to four 10 minute walks throughout the day. So walking to your local coffee shop in one of your breaks, yep. um, grabbing the dog and taking them for a quick walk around the block, but, mm -hmm. um, taking the stairs to the, the print room. Um, yep. But some sort of micro movement breaks are fabulous at counteracting that sedentary movement. Oh. So you don't have to do another F45 class, yep. three to four. So an extra 30 minutes of what we used to call incidental movement. Incidental, now, yeah. If we're working remotely, many of us have lost that incidental movement because we plant yep. ourselves at the kitchen table or wherever we're choosing to work remotely and yep. we're not having that that movement so the good news is we can counteract that with really simple things yeah all that incidental movement at home is yep. from yep. the table to the fridge to see <laughs> magical delights are inside the fridge so, <laughs> so um but the heck that's a that's great that's great advice in terms of like, yeah, just injecting those the, those little bits of movement throughout our day as well. Yeah. Again, we're not complicated as humans. Um, so when we're feeling stressed in the Zoom call or the Teams meeting, breathing has been scientifically proven as the best way to um, bring us back to our baseline for st a stress response. So yes. sighing, being deliberate with a sigh, and that doesn't matter what technique you use, whether it's box breathing or diaphragmatic breathing, the simple formula is that as long as your exhalation is longer than your inhalation, it will calm you down. Okay. And the good news is you can do that discreetly. Make sure you're on yes, mute on if you're mute, not doing yeah. a, an audible sigh. <laughs> doing a sigh when someone's presenting. Yeah. But you, yeah, 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 you can do this in between your meetings, on a call. Um, there are really, really, really simple things that we can do. Um, another really simple thing is to close our eyes. A lot of us have digital eye strain from spending yeah. hours not only looking at a screen, but having a very narrow view. Um, yeah. And so this, again, stresses our brain and body because as humans, we are biologically designed to dilate our gaze. We are biologically designed to look out in the distance, Ground. to watch the, the animals approaching us, to watch the sun rising. And all of a sudden, we're spending hours looking at a narrow gaze. So closing our eyes, even for just 30 seconds, and again, do it on a Zoom call and sit very still and pretend that your internet has dropped out, um, yeah. But closing your eyes gives your occipital lobe, which processes images, yeah. a rest. So there's yeah. really simple things we can do to counteract this without sort of tossing the technology away altogether. Yeah, it's and I mean, I think, you know, coming back to that time of year that, that we're recording this now too, like I've just come back from holidays and, um, you know, Apple told me that my screen time had really <laughs> gone down while I was away because um, I, you know, I wasn't looking at, at, at my phone. I had, you know, the data switched off and I just, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in work mode. I wasn't interested. But something that did make me really sad was, you know, sitting there at, you know, at the hotel breakfast in absolute paradise like in the most beautiful location and I was surrounded surrounded by people glued to their phones kids you know the cutest kids sitting at the table with mum and dad and both parents and that, like this is not judgmental it just made me feel sad both parents glued to the phone um and you know I'd see this everywhere and I just like like oh my god like there's their phone it's within reach they were grabbing it they were yeah they were sort of tethered to it and um uh, like I I know there's a term that you use for our inability to leave our phones alone isn't there like there that this is a thing it's, it's a thing yeah 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 
we call it nomophobia. So uh-huh. literally the fear of not having our mobile phone in close proximity. Um, research tells us now most adults are no longer more than one metre proximity from their phone for the most part of their days, which is absolutely phenomenal. Um, we know the average Australian will spend a whopping 17 years of their life on their smartphone, which equates to 33% of their waking hours. The technology we all use, we're reliant on, has been designed, I say, to rob us of our two most important resources. As I discovered with Billy, it has been designed to rob us of our time and rob us of our attention. And if you haven't read Stolen Focus, um, can I make that mandatory reading? I just think Johan illustrates some of the very persuasive ways that technology has been designed to to rob us of our focus and our attention. Yeah. Um, So... Some of this is to say it's not all our fault. Um, I think there's three main reasons why we can't put it down. The Mm. first reason is that technology, particularly our personal use of technology, has been designed to meet our most basic psychological needs. As humans, this is called self-determination theory, we have three basic needs and the online world fulfills them perfectly. We are biologically and psychologically designed to connect Yep. Hence why social media, multiplayer video games, um, emails, Teams chats have become WhatsApp chats. Yep. Tap into that need to connect. We are biologically designed to belong. Yep. We are designed to feel competent. So we get to feel competent when we triage our inbox or when we reply to people. And the third need is that we have the need for control, having a sense of autonomy um, and agency over what we're doing. The second reason is that when we're online, so that the first reason are those psychological needs being met. The second reason is that when we are online, there are neurobiological changes. So, for example, scrolling social media often gives us a hit of dopamine. Now, dopamine not only makes us feel good and then conditions and reinforces that behaviour, but dopamine overrides our prefrontal cortex. So the part of our brain that helps us regulate our behavior that says two hours on TikTok is enough, put it away, you know, three hours triaging your team's chat is sufficient, turn it off. That part of your brain does not work when you're being flooded with dopamine. So I don't know about you, Michelle, but sometimes at night I say to myself, Christy, I'm going to have one square of dark chocolate, the 70% (laughs) variety that's meant to be good for my heart health. And I eat that one square with the intention of it just being one square. But before I know it, that dopamine's hijacked my prefrontal cortex and I'm eating pieces two, four, half the block. The same thing happens online. And the third reason, so psychological needs, changes occurring in our brain and body. Um, The second change in our brain and body is our nervous system gets dysregulated. We are often in a highly stressed state. And when we're in a stressed state, we're not making logical, careful choices. The third one, and this is where we can deflect some responsibility and blame the tech companies, Mm. is that the technology has deliberately been designed to be addictive and to take away our time and attention. You know, something as simple as our notification bubble being red. Mm. Red is associated with danger, urgency, importance. Yeah. Um, And so some really simple strategy there is when you know you're getting sucked in the digital vortex, turn your phone to grayscale. Um, Disable those notifications. Notifications trick you, trick your brain into thinking that they're urgent and important because biologically an external source is perceived as a potential threat. So if we hear or see something, we are biologically primed to say, is that a tiger? Is that a threat? We can't actually differentiate between a team's notification and a tiger chasing us. Our brain perceives both of them as a perceived stressor. So 
I think they're the three reasons. I'm going to share this and I'm going to hold it together. This story makes me so, um, it's had a really profound impact for several reasons over this holiday period. Mm -hmm. But I had a, a chance meeting while I was writing the book, a girlfriend tried to wean me from my screen. She said, Christy, you need a break. You're not practicing what you preach. Let's go and have a coffee. And I was on a really tight deadline. I said, no, I can't. But then I knew that a break would actually be really beneficial. Yeah. So I agreed to meet her. She was running late. And as someone on a tight deadline, those minutes were precious. Yeah. But a lady approached me as she was waiting at this coffee shop near where I was. And we had a conversation and it was just very very ordinary conversation. I said, what do you do? And she explained she's a palliative care nurse and had been for 30 years. And I said to her, have you read the book, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying by Bronnie Ware? Have you read yeah. that, Michelle? I haven't read it, but I know oh, I know of it. Yeah, I've heard her interviewed a couple of times. And yes. yes I know. So another good book um, yes, to read instead of scrolling yes. social media. Yeah. But Bronnie Ware um, was also a palliative care nurse and basically wrote a very um, really good book about what the, the five regrets of, of the dying were. And I asked this palliative care nurse, is she seeing the same thing? She said, absolutely. People who are facing the final stages of their life have similar regrets. Mm. But she, she didn't, hadn't yet asked me what I did for work. And she mm. leaned in, she said, but there's a sixth regret creeping in. And I said, what's that? And she said, it is people, particularly in their 40s and 50s, who are tragically facing the end of their life, mm. saying, I wish I spent less time on my phone. Mm. I wish I spent less time online. Mm. And I think... Um, gives me goosebumps saying this yeah, it gives I think me goosebumps too yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll see I mean you saw it on your holidays I did I did it just... a pride, imagine a glorious oh my god location. yes yes um, and, and, and we... it was I think it was the kid thing too and again like this yeah. isn't I'm not being judged Judy but like I mean there was this little family beside the, the kid was the cutest and you know what like so she she basically caught mine and Paul's eye because yeah. we you know we were just sitting there chatting. but we like I mean this sounds awful but like she she was like playing to us because yep. mum and dad were and, and it wasn't like looking sort of scrolling at their phone and eating it was like right up in their eyes you know like there was no way um we saw another kid fall out of a high chair because no one was paying attention like literally fell out of the high chair and I was like what hell West like City. yeah it's it Pediatricians, um, emergency department pediatricians yes. are reporting increasing numbers of kids presenting to emergency departments with playground injuries. And there's yes. two theories. One the is that, well, on one them. is they're not playing as much as they used to because yes. they're off on the screen. Yes. So yep. they don't have the dexterity and the physical skills to navigate the playground. And often it's mum or dad who get on the slippery dip with them to help them because they don't have the skills and they land on top of them and give them a broken leg, very common yep. apparently. Okay. The, the second reason is technoglect. Mm -hmm. um, Maggie Dent uses the term digital abandonment, yeah. but it's this idea that, and again, this is not as a parent myself, mm -hmm. I know, yeah. you know, yeah. we're not always scrolling social media, often we're on our phones replying to it, you know, a play date message, yeah, exactly. online yeah. banking, yeah. Yeah. but yeah. in many cases, that's not the reality and the research while still in its infancy is saying our kids are seeing this. Yeah. Um, kids are saying, you know, I wish my parents spent more time with me than my phone. Yeah. Um their phone so I think we are definitely seeing this but we've got to um I think we've got to take back control because if we don't we yeah. will get to the end of our life I think and yeah. deeply regret 
how yeah. much time we hand it over to our digital appendages. Yeah, I think it's like um, smoking, like cigarettes, right? So yeah. um, I watched that TV series called The Midwife. It's so cute, yeah. but it's set in the 60s, right? But um, so it's like late 60s now yeah. and it's at the time when they're starting, starting to educate people about the dangers of smoking. But, I mean, you've got women there like, you know, because of Call The Midwife, all the you know women are having babies on the show and they're all there like heavily pregnant, like, smoking or the husbands are smoking or whatever and it's like back then it was just normal it was just the done thing everyone did it but now I mean our kids are like you know they're they're disgusted if people are smoking and that sort of thing so I'm hoping hoping that I don't know something will 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 happen to to um I don't know could it who knows like but to make it make the danger of of how we are living our lives more apparent because um and I think you know coming back to what you were talking about too around that like the dopamine hit as well and that like need for connection and all of that sort of thing and again I I don't know any of the people that were sitting around me in the resort like who knows like they could have been freaking miserable on that holiday with their family like I don't know but I think and that's probably for me personally why I wasn't on my phone or because I was like I was soaking up the the magnificence of where I was and the fact that I was you know in this beautiful place and having like a really relaxing restorative time so I didn't feel that need to get the hit but I know what it does feel like you know when you know you're at home and the kids are asleep and and it's like I've got no one to talk to so I'll just scroll through social media just to get that fix so you know but Yes, it sorry. also I was going to say it also becomes a really vicious cycle because I don't know about you but I make really crappy food choices when I'm tired. Oh yeah. I scroll yep. social media yep. way more when I'm tired. I yep. binge watch Netflix way more yep. than I ordinarily would when I'm tired and it yep. comes back to our biology, you know, that prefrontal cortex, the part of our brain that regulates our behavior mm. cannot work when we're tired and we're almost trapped, you know, this this idea of revenge bedtime procrastination is that many of us are on all day and we go from back-to-back meetings to this to that and so we never ever unplug Mm -hmm. and then we justify our use of technology at night as my wind down time you're actually not winding (laughs) down you're 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 triggering your nervous system you're activating your sympathetic nervous response Um, and so it then becomes a vicious cycle because when we don't get enough sleep then we perpetuate the exact same habits the next day so I often say to people you've got to figure out what your digital Achilles heel is but I think for most people if you can really nail those basic things sleep um, movement some sunlight the way you breathe yeah your tech habits will be optimized but if we compromise those just basic biological needs yeah then we start to enter really dangerous territory and then it becomes almost hard to escape from <laughs> yeah yeah I know it's yeah it is it's like this this spiral of yeah. crazy and I think there's something else too that I wanted to to talk about was about digital dementia that yeah. you, you know it's, some, it's a term that you use but um you know it's like those memes I can remember song song lyrics from the 80s but I can't remember what I went into the kitchen for and you know all jokes aside but we've never had so much information at our fingertips yeah. yet we can't seem to retain it like yeah we used to and so so I'd love to know like what's going on here but also what can we do about it yeah I just feel like everyone's getting worse like you know I can remember my childhood phone number I can remember all my friends 
childhood home phone numbers, I couldn't tell you anyone's phone number now, for yeah. example. Yeah, you're not imagining it. Um, the researchers call it cognitive offloading, mm -hmm. but we're basically offloading some of our memory making capacity to technology. I use the term infobesity. We are literally just drowning, as you said, in constant information. Yeah. Some research suggests that the average adult now consumes an average of 74 gigabytes worth of information every day via social media, emails, Teams chats, television shows. And we're often multi-screening now. You know, how many of us sit down and watch television yeah. without our phones or laptops or tablets? Not many yeah. of us. Yeah. So the harsh reality is, as I've said today, you know, we can't outperform our biology. We have this biological blueprint. It's it's biologically wired into us. Yeah. Um, the, the storage part of our brain called the hippocampus, so it's a bit like our brain's hard drive, yep. it has a finite storage capacity. So we can't keep, throw, it's almost getting like a fire hydrant and yep. squirting a fire hydrant into a little plastic cup and hoping right. that you can catch yeah, that volume of information. So yep. we just... We have to be really judicious. So I think some practical strategies, you know, being mindful of what you consume on social media, having social hours, like literally where you're going to go on, because mm -hmm. constantly scrolling and you only need to click on one article that has a negative connotation or a negative yeah. headline and you are fueling or feeding, I should say, the algorithm to serve up more of that more content. Of that. Um, and so we're getting bombarded. Um, we're also being bombarded with really realistic depictions of wars of tragic global events and global disasters in a way that we have never encountered in history. You know, we've got live streaming video of people on tragic accidents or, you know, in experiences that we would only have ever read about or perhaps seen a static photo printed mm -hmm. several days later. Yes. Um, so I think we need to be judicious consumers of how we consume information um, I also say to people, bookend your days without your devices. Mm -hmm. So those first few minutes in the morning and at least an hour before you go to bed, ideally you want to be tech-free, not yeah. only for the impact on your sleep but for your psychological health. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when we wake up and start scrolling, we trigger the limbic brain and that's often where our emotional response resides from. And we only need to see, you know, one upsetting email or one unkind comment on a post mm -hmm. or a DM that upsets us and we trigger that stress response. So I think it's that the, the content, what we are consuming and also the timing that we do have a bit more control over. Yeah. Um, and being mindful of what do we, like, do we really need to remember all our phone numbers? I think there's a core set we probably do need in case our phone fails and we need to borrow some. But yeah. sometimes we can offload some of those things um, that aren't really important things. Like for me, reciting the grocery list is not going to add value to my life. <laughs> Putting it in the notes app or a shared Google Doc. I, I have no problems, no qualms offloading it. Yeah. A really interesting study was done a couple of years ago. And they looked at what people remember when they take a photo on their phone. And what this study clearly showed, because again, are we capturing the moment when we're recording our kids at the school assembly or when we're at the music concert and we're watching it from behind our phone? Yep. What they found was that our visual memory is actually enhanced through recording because we have to narrow our gaze. We have to be selective with what we're recording. Yep. But our auditory recall, so what we remember hearing, you know, the music, the sound effects, the ch your child laughing at you is significantly compromised. Wow. So we remember a fraction of the event. Uh huh. So again, choose yeah. what do we want to remember? 
Um, yeah. What is it that is worth yeah, adding? Yeah, what's to important our to habits? offload? Yeah, yeah, what what you know, like you said, the grocery list or whatever. But you know, those things, those memories are yeah. what those, we want to try and store. Yeah, yeah, and the reminder in your, your Google Calendar for all the things that you will forget. So I think we've got to take advantage of we've now got a, a plethora of tools that can help us offload mm-hmm. and free up some of that mental bandwidth. And I say this. Um, as mothers, I think this problem is amplified. I call it the, the mother load, um, mm-hmm. as in mother in load. Um, yes. And also the, <laughs> the mother load that's a, a gender yeah. distribution that tends mm-hmm. to be more towards females. Yeah. This is amplified with the WhatsApp notifications, the school emails, the constant barrage of digital communication. Yeah. This is, I think, as we approach International Women's Day, I think this is yeah. an issue that's really pronounced for women. Yeah. And there is so much research coming out saying that there is a, a gender gap in terms of well-being. And I think our tech habits are certainly contributing. They're not the sole reason, but they're yeah. definitely contributing to women experiencing lower rates of well-being and higher rates of stress and burnout. Yeah, because they're the ones that are keeping across all of these groups and that sort of thing. And it's very interesting and, again, timely as we are about to move into a new Um, can But can I just say, like, get your husband or your partner or whoever, if there is one, get them put on the group as well. Like, just get that, like, just, you know, when the class parent asks for the phone number, give both parents phone numbers. And another really simple strategy there, for me, WhatsApp's my, I, I just yeah. can't handle it, but with three sons and yeah. they've been involved in a range of school oh, activities, yeah. it's almost yeah. like a, a necessary evil. But what I have done is that I have, um, bund- I bundle my notifications so yeah. they only come through at a set time. Mm-hmm. Um, I have in each group, I've asked a friend I call them, one of my girlfriends gave herself this name. I certainly didn't. She calls herself the watchdog. Yeah. And so if a, a time-sensitive issue, you yeah. know, sport training's cancelled this afternoon, yeah. pick your kids up, she'll send yeah. me a text message. Yeah. If not, I check all WhatsApp notifications at 8 o'clock when I've scheduled them to come through. Yeah, um, nice. Because mm. being distracted, you know, it might seem really benign. Your, your phone lights up. You may not even open it. Yeah. But we know once you are distracted, this study has been replicated it takes the average adult around 23 minutes and 15 seconds to get back into that deep focus state it's yeah. called the resumption lag. This is happening throughout the day. You know, it's our gas provider telling us that our next direct debit will come out. Yeah, and then who cares? Yeah. Tell us the thing or the, yeah. the package that we ordered that we get the text message notification telling us where it is, the email telling us that it's been dispatched and it's, yeah. it's too much. And when we are... Yeah. Yeah, when we are constantly distracted, it has a huge impact on not only our productivity, but also our well-being because it stresses us. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you know, one of my workarounds for that is that I have a separate email address for Great all idea. that stuff. So yeah. um, yeah, the packages, the bills, the, you know, your rent's been paid, Michelle. Yeah, duh. Like, um, so <laughs> but it's all of that stuff that just goes into it into an in, like an email address yeah. and I have no notifications on that. So oh, I, I choose to go into that when I have set admin time, personal admin okay. time. And I just you know deal with that at the time because it is yeah it's just it's it's really annoying and look I love that you're you you're so full of great tips like really easily implementable and it's little stuff it's little stuff where people go oh I didn't even think that and you know it has an impact not just on our like our productivity but also on our well-being and the book 
that you've got coming out is bursting with these. And I know that the listeners of this podcast love a productivity hack. So could you share maybe two or three more your tips for helping us improve our productivity while we're dealing with these digital (laughs) distractions? Sure. So I often say the basics work if you work the basics. So um, the book is all based on micro habits. So really simple things. It's not a complete digital overhaul. It's not a digital detox, just little micro adjustments or micro habits that we can embed into our days. And over time, I think they'll tame our tech habits. Um, So my first one is my favorite, but my goodness, it has a profound impact. And that is out of sight, out of mind. When you need to get your deep focused work done, when you want to be present with your partner on a date, when you want to connect with your kids, when you're doing something together, put your phone somewhere where you cannot see or hear it. Um, Research from the University of Austin, Texas tells us that seeing our phone, even if it is on silent and face down, drops our cognitive performance roughly by around 10%. Put simply, seeing your phone makes you 10% dumber. I cannot be any more direct wow, than that. There you go. <laughs> it is, it, it's a brain drain because yeah. we're allocating some of our cognitive resources to who's that notification from. Do I need to pick it up? Is it my boss or is it my energy supplier? Yeah. Um, yeah. So just put it out of sight. Just when Not for the whole day, but when you really want to get that focused work done or you want to be present, just pop it somewhere where you can't see it. Now, There are caveats to that. You know, if you've got aging parents or or children, you can put it on focus mode and you can set it up so that people on your VIP list can get through. Mm -hmm. Um, That's my first one. The second one is that we need to start working in sprints, not marathons. We have never biologically been designed to work for long stretches. We're certainly not in a digital world. So I call them digital dashes. So we have something that we call old trading rhythms. And old trading rhythms mean that our energy as humans goes through peaks and troughs roughly every 90 minutes, give or take. So okay. we're not designed, we've never been designed to sit down and work for eight hours straight. You are working against your biology. So we are designed to work in a short period, roughly 90 minutes. We need to do something restorative, closing our eyes, making a cup of tea, taking the dog, doing one of those 10 minute yeah. walks. Um, Lizzie Williams from Two Minute Moves talks about micro-movement breaks, Um, doing something to restorative for roughly Mm -hmm. a period is 20 minutes. Now, don't freak out. I'm not saying you need to lay down and meditate for 20 minutes, but some of that 20 minutes needs to be doing something restful, restorative. Mm -hmm. Some of that time could be done doing your less taxing work, what I call, um, and Cal Newport refers to as shallow work, the easiest sorts of tasks. Then if you take that 20-minute trough, your next peak will be as high as the former one. But if you push through and keep going and go from one meeting to the next without a break, your next productivity hump will be a lot shorter and a lot lower in terms of your output if you don't take that break. So trying to work roughly in 90-minute increments. So for most people, a really good day is having sort of three to four of those 90-minute sprints. If you're doing that, you're working with your biology. That that prefrontal cortex, that thinking part of our brain that I've mentioned today, it only has a maximum of between four and six hours of battery life a day. Wow. 
So I'm not saying don't panic. Some people hear that and say, oh, Christy said I need to work a, not only a four-day work <laughs> four week, hour, now, four-hour four hour work day. All the bosses yeah. and leaders who are listening to this, that's not what I'm saying. But that mentally taxing, challenging work that we do, we've only got a four- to six-hour window. So flogging yourself and working at a challenging level for hours at a time is working against your biology. Yeah. My last one, um, really simple one, is that when you're on your desktop or your laptop computer, maximise your windows. Mm-hmm. when you hit a stuck point, you know, you can't figure out how to write the last sentence on your blog post or there's a complex formula required in the spreadsheet that you're working on and you hit that stuck point, yeah. what yeah. do many of us do? Go on social okay. media, go Pick and scroll a news website or yeah. something distracting. Yeah. Yeah. Check our emails. We look for yeah. that quick hit yeah. of dopamine. Yeah. Our brain craving, give me a quick hit. So mm-hmm. we do those things that we will give. We know will derive pleasure from or a sense of accomplishment or competence, as we talked about before. Yeah. But if you maximise your windows, you're less likely to see that the internet tabs or the icons at the bottom of your screen. Now, yeah. again, no accident have a think about how icons have changed on most of our popular social media platforms and web tools over the last year, few years. They've become a lot brighter. They use a lot more intense colours. They have been studied by people who specialise in colour theory to draw us in. Um, when Steve Jobs released the first iPod Touch, do you remember iPods? Yes. yes. <laughs> he said in a, a press statement that they wanted to make the iPod so psychologically appealing that people would want to lick their phones. Ugh. It tell yeah, gross. <laughs> the yeah. mum that freaks me out in terms of germs. Um, yeah. But I think it, it illustrates how they've been designed to captivate us. So if you maximise your Word document or your Google um, browser, your Chrome browser, if you're working in it, or your Excel spreadsheet, yeah. it's less of a temptation now I know it's easy to minimize the window and go into it but yeah. again it's taking away that visual reminder yeah our brain is incredible and our brain processes 10 million bits of visual information per second wow our brain processes processes 11 million bits of information per second but 10 million come through our eyes so trying to uh, minimize or eradicate some of those tech temptations really can have a profound impact. And they're really, they're all really simple things. Put your phone away, yeah. um, work in short sprints and maximize your windows and they will have a huge impact on your productivity. That's great, Christy. Thank you. They're awesome tips as, you know, you are all always full of incredible, incredible insights and knowledge and I could honestly talk to you for absolute hours but I am going to leave some things for our listeners to read in your book which is out now so I will have what I've got one more question for you and that is um, the question that I ask all of my guests um, to leave our listeners with a recommendation something that you've watched read listen to, eat and experience, something that's going to give our listeners a life or a business boost. What is your recommendation? So my one, um, I experienced this these holidays and I often talk about this, but I had lived experience and we sort of talk about this before we started recording today. Mm. The last holidays that I've just finished or wrapped up, I went laptopless for some of the holidays. So I still took my phone. I'm going to acknowledge that, but no laptop. 
And I am telling you that having that digital respite, that time to um, mind wander, to not be tethered, you know, I had the phone so I could take photos and videos of the kids. Um, it, it was used to make a couple of phone calls to organise catching up with people. But apart from that, the phone really, or using Map, the Maps app was also really yeah. important and to book yes. some cinema yes. tickets one day. But apart from those core functions, the app really didn't, sorry, the phone didn't do much else. Yep. So I'm, again, not a digital detox, but having time where we can digitally decompress. Um, when we have a break, I don't know about you, Michelle, but often I come up with great ideas. Yes. I solve problems that I spent months agonising over and they drop into me laying on the daybed or yep. in the hammock or yep. under the water. And yep. we know we enter, um, neuroscientists call it the default mode network or it's the mind-wandering mode. We used to have so much time in our days to be idle with our thoughts. You know, you'd stand at the bus stop and you'd daydream. You'd get in the elevator and you'd daydream. You'd wait for your coffee and you'd daydream. But today we've filled every bit of white space with our screens. Mm -hmm. So taking some time where you're not always tethered to technology, it doesn't have to be a week. You don't have to go off to a, a digital um, retreat where you hand in your devices, but having some prescribed time where yeah. you switch off ideas will germinate you yes. will feel better um but just by having those small pockets um yeah. but we find it hard a study was done a few years ago with adults and said just sit in a room and be bored for 15 minutes but they had to prematurely end the study because the participants showed signs of psychological distress they couldn't handle being idle with their thoughts for 15 minutes wow. they went back to their ethics committee and they repeated the study and in iteration two of the study the participants were given the option of administering a moderate to severe electric shock in lieu of being bored. Bloody hell. 67% of males, 24% of females gave themselves an electric shock in lieu of being bored for 15 minutes. I won't reveal the gender, but wow. there was one, one data outlier who gave themselves 107 electric shocks in that 15-minute period. We have to be, and again, we have to be more intentional. You know, it was a, a plan for me to oh, not take the laptop, yeah. mm. um, to leave the phone and only use it for really rudimentary things because it's, as you said earlier, it's just sort of crept upon us yeah. um, and become that boiling frog. So yeah. it, I think we just have to be more stringent about having those times to go laptopless or put your phone away or be unplugged, and I guarantee the benefits will be huge. Yeah, I can absolutely vouch for that. I did exactly the same thing. I did, you know, basically three weeks without oh, wow. my laptop to the point that like all of the things that I'm opening are sending like verification <laughs> notifications to my email and go, there's, you know, there's been a lack of activity. Yeah. What's happening? You know, put this code in. And I'm like, yeah, because I wasn't, you know, well, I haven't been on Zoom and all of that sort of stuff. Oh. So it, it 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 is, it's so, it's so good for us to, um, it definitely, yeah, helped me uh, really, really restore and replenish um, by just, yeah, not having my laptop with me at all. So, yes, I can vouch well for that. Done. Thank you for sharing well that. And the world, the world didn't end for you either. Nothing I think so many Nothing. of us, Nothing. I mean, and no, I'm not being disrespectful, but so many of us have given oh us an impression that we're so yes. important and that yes. the company yes. will implode without me. And, I'm, mm -hmm. I mean, unless you're doing brain surgery or, you, you know, you, you've got a time-critical response, yeah. come up with your digital guardrails. Um. I share in the book um, a woman who I follow on LinkedIn, um, yeah. Sam Uluru, I think is her name. She's the 
social media operations manager for Nike in the US, or globally, I think. But um, she took, I think it was a seven-week sabbatical sometime last year, and she knew that she didn't want to come back, as many of us face after our annual leave or a break, the, yeah. the avalanche of emails and Teams chats. And that's often what is deterring people from taking leave. People are often saying, I'd rather work through the holidays yeah. or yeah. keep yeah. on top of my communication. My emails. So, oh, God. Yes, yeah. Samantha created an out-of-office response and explained that she was gone on her sabbatical for her period. Mm -hmm. um, all emails would be deleted during this time. Mm -hmm. If your email is critical, please resend it. And she provided screenshots, I think, or step-by-step -step instructions as to how you can reschedule an email to be resent at a set yes. time. So people were given clear parameters. It will be deleted, but reschedule it at this date. And when I return yes. to work, I'll deal with it. She claims, and, and she would get thousands and thousands of emails yes. normally at that time. Yes. She did not get one email resent after on her return to work. Yep. So there are things we can do, but we delude ourselves, I think, yep. into thinking that we're really important. That we're more important. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And that, you know, that, that the world will end if we don't, if we're not there. And it's amazing what people can sort out all by themselves <laughs> when, when they can't just get that instant answer from you. Um, and I know, you know, having seen the inner workings of your business, Christy, that you get a lot of, you know, SOS kind of emails and that kind of thing, which trigger that response that you were talking yep. about. It's like, you know, is it a tiger or is it a parent who's panicking about their child's, you know, addiction to TikTok or, or what yeah. have you. So it's really important that we give ourselves a break periodically. It's really great yeah. advice. I've tried, this is the first time I did, I did my out of office reply this year and I did a little Christmas like rhyme. So yeah. I'm happy to share it. But in the, the rhyme, I put, please call me if anything is urgent, because I knew firstly, the people that would have my phone number would be people that would probably require something of critical importance. Yes. And yes. second, Secondly, no one likes picking up the picking phone up the and old-fashioned phone call. I, I, I got one text message and it was a time-critical incident, but yeah. I did not get one phone call phone in calls. the three weeks that that out-of-office message was on. Yes. There's simple yeah. things we can do. That's right, yeah, because no one wants to make an actual phone call. So oh. that's... <laughs> That's great advice. See, there's another app. Christy, thank you. You have given us so much gold today and there is even more where that came from in the book, which is now out. So that's available everywhere. Where would where would you yeah. like us to buy it? Where would you like that? Do you want us to buy it straight from you or from our favourite bookshop or where? Buy it from your favourite bookshop, whoever's yep. going to send you the least number of notifications telling you that it's been shipped. <laughs> Um, we will not send you any. So if you want very little touch point and just want it to arrive in your snail mail, then order it through our website. But the usual places where you buy books um, can also be obtained. So amazing. That would be fabulous. Thank you. Yes, my pleasure. And I'll put all the links to, to the book and everything in the show notes. But thank you so much. As always, I love chatting to you. I could talk to you all day. Um, and you have shared some gold with us today. So thank you so much. Thank you, Michelle.